You're listening to Real Paranormal Talk with Jeff Trelowitz, part of CKCC Radio. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Podbean. And now your host, Jeff Trelowitz. And welcome back to Real Paranormal Talk here on CKCC Radio. We are, of course, the home of all things spooky here on CKCC Radio. My name is Jeff. You may notice that when we go on a UFO kick on this podcast, it tends to not just be one episode, so we're going to continue that trend. But this time we're going to do it a little bit differently. Now, we've pretty much stuck to things here in the United States, because that is where I'm from. However, today I'm going to tell you a couple different stories that take place not here in the United States, because aliens are not just visiting America. Oh no, it is a worldwide thing. So today we're going to talk a couple of different stories about UFO sightings and possibly even more that have taken place worldwide. And we're going to start today in Zimbabwe. This story takes place back on September 16th, 1994. And it takes place in a very prestigious school, like I said, in Zimbabwe, called the Ariel School. No relation to the Little Mermaid, of course. Now, what makes this story phenomenal is it's not just one person who actually saw what occurred that day. So let me give you a little bit of uh, backstory here. Uh, All the staff was actually in a staff meeting with the exception of one adult who was there to watch the children as they played. Um, The kids were between the ages of 6 and 12 and roughly about 62 children began to panic when they saw what looked to be a craft land not too far from the school. They could actually see what was happening. Uh, They saw little aliens or little creatures or something actually come out of the craft. Of course, all the kids freaked out. As well, you know, again, think about it. Think of the age of these kids, 6 to 12, and all of a sudden you see a UFO land a couple hundred feet from you. Um, so, yeah, they were a little bit worried. Uh, and unfortunately, the the teachers, when they heard the commotion and they came running out, by that point, whatever they saw disappeared into the day. And the teachers basically told the kids, you saw nothing, shut up, go back to class. The next day, the school received a bunch of calls from parents wanting to know why their kids were spooked. It got so to the point that the teachers started to freak out too, and a local UFO expert named Cynthia Hind was invited to speak to everyone. She was there basically to try to calm everybody down. They tried to get the children to draw what they saw, just as an example, and almost every single children described almost the exact same thing, which goes to show that it wasn't just paranoia. You get that many kids in a group, chances are there's going to be some kind of variation. There was not. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that says a lot that almost every single child drew very similar concepts. They drew certain amount of lights. The shape of the craft that they described was pretty much the same as well. So, you know, I don't think that there's such a thing as mass hysteria. I don't think this entire 
you know, all these kids from different grades, from different backgrounds, made up what they saw. So, I again, that many eyewitnesses tells me that whatever they saw, you know, it wasn't something of their imagination, or else every single child would have not come up with the same idea when they were doing the drawing. So, it's very interesting to me that that many children saw what they saw. All right, and now we're going to talk about another story. Everyone, of course, at this point is familiar with Roswell. But have you ever heard what is known as the UK Roswell story? Because they've got one very similar as well. So I'm going to tell you that story now. And this story takes place on December 26th, roughly around 3 a.m. A security patrol near the east gate of the RAF Woodbridge saw lights apparently describing, or sorry, descending into nearby Rendlesham Forest. These lights have been attributed by astronomers to a piece of natural debris seen burning up as a fireball over southern England at the time. Servicemen initially thought it was a downed aircraft, but upon entering the forest to investigate, they saw, according to Deputy Base Commander Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, Halt went on to say that, according to Halt's memo, what they described as a glowing object, which was a metallic in appearance with colored lights, as they attempted to approach the object, it appeared to move through the trees, and even the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy. One of the servicemen, Sir Sergeant Jim Penniston, later claimed to have an encounter, a craft of unknown origin, while in the forest, although there was no publicized mention of this at the time, and there is no corroboration from any other witnesses. Shortly after 4 a.m., local police were called to the scene, but reported the only lights that they could see were from the Orford Nest Lighthouse, some miles away on, up the coast. After daybreak on the morning of the 26th, servicemen returned to a small clearing near the eastern edge of the forest and found three small impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, as well as burn marks and broken branches on a nearby tree. At 10.30, the local police were called out again, this time to see the impressions, which they thought could have been made by an animal. Georgina Bruni, in her book You Can't Tell the People, published a photograph of the supposed uh, supposed landing site taken on the morning after the first sighting. The deputy base commander, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, visited the site with several servicemen in the early hours of December 28th. They took radiation recordings in the triangle of the depression and the surrounding area, a and they found nothing really out of the ordinary. It was near the big, the background level. Furthermore, they detected a small, similar burst over about a half a mile away from the landing site. Halt recorded the events on a microcassette recorder. It was during this investigation that they saw a flashing light was seen across the field to the east, almost with line within with a farmhouse as the witnesses had seen the first night. The Orford Nest Lighthouse is, is visible further to the east as a line of sight. Now, when I first heard of this story, the investigator wanted to see if the light that they had seen would have been that lighthouse. So, even though the lighthouse is no longer in active uh, condition, they did attempt to light the lighthouse to see if it could be seen from the base. 
and it could not. It was not even close to being visible. So that rules out the lighthouse as the uh, what the lights were seen that day. Now, for me, this is an impressive bit of evidence because these are not just random people. These are, you know, military people who, you know, aren't known for, you know, making stuff up. So, I mean, yes, there actually were uh, eyewitnesses that were not in the military that day as well. Uh, in 1997, Scottish researcher James Easton obtained the original witness statements made by those involved in the first night sightings. One of the witnesses, Ed Cabinsag, sorry if I mispronounced that, said in a statement, We figured the lights were coming from, the, from past the forest since nothing was visible when we passed through the woody forest. We would see it glowing near the beacon light, but as we got closer, we found it to be... Uh, to be it from the lit up farmhouse we got to a vantage point where we could determine what we were chasing only by a beacon of light off in the distance another participant john burroughs also said we could see a beacon going around so we went towards it we followed it for about two miles before we could see it was coming from the lighthouse burroughs reported a noise like a woman was screaming and also you could hear the farm animals making a lot of noise Halt heard the same noises two nights later. Such noises could have been made by the uh, Murtaugh deer in the forest, which are known to be loud, shrill barking when alarmed. Now, again, these people are saying it was a lighthouse. However, as I said before, that was actually debunked by Josh Gates because Josh Gates is awesome. So I don't honestly believe that it was the lighthouse that they saw. It was too far in the forest for them to actually see what was happening there. Uh, yes, there are still people who are claiming it was a hoax, but again, we saw that with uh, lots of other cases as well, including Roswell, which they are still, you know, other than the whole it was a weathered balloon, there are people who are claiming it was a hoax as well. So, I don't know. I think there's just the fact that this is coming from the military tells me that there's something there. Again, I could be wrong. I'm not saying every person in the military is 100% trustworthy. So, I, I guess, you know, as we go on, eventually the truth will come out. Now, we're all familiar with the Steven Spielberg movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But do you actually know what the third kind means? I, I mean, I sort of have an idea. Or at least I had an idea, but now I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna fill you in in case you're not aware, because of the third kind, are not the only kind. For example, as the motorcycle goes by, Close Encounters of the First Kind is just a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object, seemingly less than 500 feet, that shows an appreciable angular extension and considerable detail. The second kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged that this could be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, a psychological effect such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness or some kind of physical trace like impressions on the ground, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation, vegetation or a chemical trail. So, for example, the aerial school would be of the second kind. Although it could also be part of the third kind, because that means UFO encounters in which an 
animated entity is present. These include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants of pilots or of the UFO. Uh, they've also recently extended the scale. So a close encounter of the fourth kind is a UFO event in which a human is actually abducted by a UFO or its occupants. The fifth kind is a close encounter. Is a, It involves direct communication between aliens and humans. Continuing on, close encounter of the sixth kind involves the death of a human or animal associated with a UFO sighting, channeling alien entities or intrusion and parasitic attachment by extraterrestrial consciousness and that just sounds horrible uh being channeled by an alien no thank you and dear god please let's never have the close encounter of the seventh kind which is the creation of a human alien hybrid either by sexual reproduction or by artificial scientific methods yeah i'm i'm happy just sticking with three first three anything after that is just not good for humankind and that's going to wrap up another edition of real paranormal talk here on ckcc radio don't forget to check out the other great shows here on the network including the latest edition of the nerd table which came out earlier today guest hosted by yours truly where we talk about one of if not my favorite director mr kevin smith uh, check out all the other great shows here as well. Next week on Ranking Tracks, I'm going to be doing a Sam Cooke album, which again is out of my comfort zone, which is what I love about doing that podcast. Uh, working on hopefully getting some cool other interviews lined up here for Real Paranormal Talk as well, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Have a good one, everybody.